You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil. And boy, this Andrew Luck stuff is crazy. David, I mean, I, look, I know we're an NBA show. I get that. And, and Locked On NFL and Locked On Colts, I'm sure, will be covering the Andrew Luck thing plenty. Uh, but this is the biggest... This is the biggest news in sports right now, and it would seem weird not to at least bring it up a little bit. Andrew Luck, 29 years old, just retires out of the blue. I mean, this was for a team that was on the precipice of maybe competing for a Super Bowl. He was smack dab in the middle of his prime. And all I can think about was, well, I could think about a lot of things, but from a basketball standpoint, David, all I could think about was, what would the equivalent of this look like in the NBA? Because... I, we've seen in the NFL players retire early before. We've seen it even more recently. Um, Calvin Johnson, guys like that. I mean, you know, Dolphins fans remember when Ricky Williams did it, uh, you know, back in 2004, I think. And uh, I just, I was thinking, who in the who would the equivalent be in the NBA right now? Because Andrew Luck, he was right. He was he was a really good player, but he was really in the middle of his prime. But he was also injury prone. He had never really won a championship. Like, not really. He never won a championship. But his, his team thought, the Colts thought that they were right there, that they had a Super Bowl caliber type team this year. What would that look like this year? Like, what player would have to retire right now? What would the equivalent in the NBA be? You know, it's tough because, obviously, the, the physical and mental drain that football has on players, I don't think it's quite the same mm-hmm. as it is in the NBA. Uh, obviously, from a physical perspective, both Athletes take a beating, but it's not. No, it's not even close. Come on. Yeah, it's like the NFL. You're just getting... no, but no, but look, there is an NBA. Grind. There is. It yes. is a physically taxing one. You play more games. There, it's it's yeah. Uh, it's longer. It's season. Hard to be traveling constantly. The season's longer. There, there's a lot that's wrapped up in in you know how you deal with the the long season and the kind of toll it takes on you mentally and physically. At the same time, it, it you know. I was trying to think of it from a player who's experienced some injuries but is still relatively winning their prime. There aren't many. Uh, the one name that I came up that was closest was probably uh, Blake Griffin. Just the number of injuries he's had over the course of his career. And a lot of different ones, had too. A lot of different through, kinds of injuries. Yeah. Nagging ones from his wrist to his knees to his feet. I mean, so many things have happened over the course of his short career. Relatively short. I mean, he's, it seems like he's been playing a long time, but even his rookie season, he missed due to injury. So... There, there is a lot there. If he had just chosen, let's say he, he was traded to the Detroit Pistons, but uh, rather than report to the Pistons, he just kind of chose to retire because uh, he saw himself being a Clipper for life. And he really thought that that was going to be the case after that long presentation that's you know gotten a lot of heat over the you know recent years. And he just he didn't want to deal with the injuries. He didn't want to deal with having to move to Detroit. Uh, not a knock against the Pistons necessarily, but just didn't feel like he wanted to give that same level of energy that he had given. Uh, we would never kind of go through this renaissance of, as far as our, our reimagining the personality of Blake Griffin. Like I think the person that he was in, in L.A. playing alongside Chris Paul and J.J. Redick, you know, et cetera. I think that had a, there was a lot more negativity attached to Blake's name at that point, and I think it's a little different now. I think that he's kind of carrying this hard luck Pistons team, and he was a steady, consistent player last year. I, just, I, I think if he had just chosen to retire, I think we would have thought of him. Yeah, we never would have had this second act for Blake Griffin. The one, the only right. difference is that he's on the he was at the end of his prime when he got traded there, and Andrew Luck is like right at the beginning of it. You know, we still got to see. 
Blake Griffin finish in the top three in the MVP race, right? Like, we still got to see that. Um, it's, it's not a bad one, and I don't think there is an exact one, but the name that I thought about was Anthony Davis because That's he's never won a championship. He's dealt with injuries. He was healthy last year. Uh, bas- like, he was basically healthy last year. He just chose not to play, really. Um, he was healthy right. the year before that, but early in his career, he dealt with injuries. And never really won anything. Now, he got traded, unlike Andrew Luck, but is right there at the beginning of his prime. You, his team thinks it is built to win the championship this year, just like the Colts thought that they were built. If if Anthony Davis were to retire right now, the whole Lakers thing would just go up in smoke. I mean, I know they still have LeBron, but like that's not a championship roster without Anthony Davis. The other name I think makes sense is like Joel Embiid. But for me, yeah, I, the Anthony one. Davis one, I mean, Andrew Luck was the mo- I like the Davis one. Yeah, because he was the... Because the most highly touted you know, prospect you, you, coming out of college since yeah. LeBron James. And, and Andrew Luck was the most t- highly touted quarterback coming out since Peyton Manning. So I just with that lines up to me. Yeah, I mean, I could see the the past season in New Orleans taking a toll on him. Obviously, his popularity rating took a significant hit there. And what if he goes through something similar in Los Angeles? Like, what if he's carrying the team because LeBron might be injured and maybe that rest of the roster is slightly dysfunctional, as it very likely could be? And, and you know, all of a sudden he's starting to see his career take shape in a way he doesn't want to. He doesn't see a, a logical, easy path to a title. Not that there ever really is one, but he doesn't see it in Los Angeles. And he's put all of his chips forward on on the Lakers being able to to deliver a championship at some point soon. He's trusting his agent, Rich Paul, that, you know, he's going to be able to line things up with LeBron and other clients there to kind of make this the super team that they can compete for a title. And all of a sudden, all that falls apart and it's just more dysfunction, more possible injuries, more risk of losing it all. And he just says, you know what, I'm just done. I I don't want to continue to do this because it's taking a toll on me emotionally. And I, I think you know, given the kind of criticism that Luck, and maybe we don't want to go into this too much, we saw a lot of criticism directed at Andrew Luck, and that's for playing football, which, as we, again, we just argued, is a lot more physically taxing. I, I can't imagine if a player retired in their prime in basketball, especially as good a player as Anthony Davis, that, that the NBA fan community would accept that. Like, they would give him a lot of heat for that. I don't know. I feel like the NBA fans are generally more accepting of this stuff now. Ever since... The, the LeBron fiasco in 2010, I, I do think that NBA fans are more conditioned to uh, mm. for the that enabling the player po- empowerment era. They are they're all about the players, mm. and I no. just no. I, I think that's the media perspective. I don't think that's the fan perspective. I mean, that's they hated Anthony Davis for what he did in New well, Orleans. Well, I mean, that I mean, was that was different. Are... I mean, what Anthony Davis did in New Orleans, they, he screwed that team. I mean, he handled that in the worst possible way. But things like. I mean, even Paul George just asking for a trade, and like Thunder fans weren't upset. I mean, uh, the Kevin Durant yeah, yeah. stuff. I, the Warriors out here were complaining. Oh, we're the most hated team in basketball. I was like, have you? Did you watch anything that happened in those four years with the Miami Heat? I mean, that was a hated team. That was a hated team. It was. The Warriors were beloved by most. Like, I don't know if they were necessarily respected. I don't think that anybody necessarily respected the championships that they won because they got Kevin Durant. But that's a whole different different issue. But with Kevin Durant just, like, leaving the Warriors, like, they could have won the championship this season. I mean, you could argue. I mean... What if Durant... What if Durant... I thought about that after the Achilles, but he had won. He had won two championships. So it's not quite the same because he could retire saying, I already I won two. Like, I kind of... That's my legacy. I've already won championships. Andrew Luck never won anything. Yeah, I guess um, you're right. I wonder how history will remember a player like Andrew Luck. But I, I do think no. that this brings up the general conversation of... We are so much more 
aware, I think in the NBA, of mental health and that whole thing in a way that the NFL really is almost ignoring. It, it will, like, like stubbornly ignoring. They don't want to have that conversation. In the NBA, we're, just from a media standpoint, we're very, very open with that conversation. I mean, Jackie McMullen wrote that great series with ESPN about Kevin Love and all these other players and what the NBA is doing about mental health, and all the NFL is doing is making thicker helmets. And I, I, they're not really covering the mental health issue, at least on, in a way that I'm not aware of, I don't want to speak no. out of turn here, but I'm not aware of anything. And so I, I would almost expect, like, I'm not going to rule out this happening in the NBA. This could absolutely happen. And I, one of the differences, and it should be brought up, is the guaranteed money. You make so much more guaranteed money, it's, it must be so much harder to walk away from that. And the load management thing, I mean, it is so much more, like, we just saw Kawhi Leonard miss 20 games this last year and go on to win a championship and be considered one of the best players in basketball. In the NFL, you can't really do that. You can't just take two, three, four games off. You can't take 25% of your season off and still expect to win because there's so few games, right? In the NBA, you could do that. So maybe that, you know, a player wouldn't have to just say, you know what, I quit completely. That, that player could just say, let me just sit out 25% of the games and we'll see where we're at. Um, but it would not shock me. Like, nothing would shock me at this point, but it would not shock me if an NBA player just said, you know what, I'm sick of all the rehab. I'm sick of all the injuries. I'm, the joy is out of the game for me. I've made this much guaranteed money. And I'm just going to go walk away. I'm going to go do something else right now. I, I just think that you know physical violence and, and being able to fight your way through that is so inherently a part of what defines the NFL and how you appreciate it as a fan. Like the, the, the big hits, the, the leveling of a players are crossing midfield, et cetera, those kinds of things they excite fans as they're watching them. And, uh, you know, that's not the case in the NBA. Sure, you want maybe a physical dunk or explosive dunk and, and maybe a fight or two along the way. I think that always gets people riled up. But it's not as interwoven as it is in the NFL. And so that makes a big difference. And I wonder also, and I'm not the first person to suggest this, but the NFL, just by nature, the fact that players are wearing helmets, that they're wearing these full pads, they kind of seem less human. And, and it's easier to just kind of divest yourself of, of their mental health or, or whatever feelings and, and humanity they might be well, experiencing. Well, they booed, they booed they just, Andrew Luck when he was walking off the, the field Saturday night. I mean, that, that proves I, your point, that they don't look like, – they look at him as a fantasy football stat, and, and that was terrible. But the one thing else – and that almost makes it easier for an NBA player to just walk away because they have brands now. I mean, that a player could yeah. – could James Harden just walk away right now and still make millions? Absolutely. James Harden doesn't have to work another day in his life. Uh, if he didn't want to, he he could walk away right now. I'm not gonna. I shouldn't say easily, right? Because he's obviously committed to this game. But just from a financial standpoint, he wouldn't miss basically anything if he were to just walk away. I mean, he could go do movies. It doesn't matter. He doesn't even need lines. Um, but let's take a break. We're gonna talk about who has the inside track to win MVP next season. You're listening to Locked On NBA. The NFL season begins next week, which means Crossover Wednesday is back for the entire regular NFL season. You're going to get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from opposing sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN recently posted a survey about which players they think are the frontrunners to win MVP. They have Giannis at the top, followed by Steph Curry and LeBron James. David, when it comes to MVP next season, do you really think Giannis can repeat? Do you think he should be the favorite? Oh, should be the favorite. Um, 
it's an interesting case because I saw the arguments, and it's a good one that as far as Giannis is compared uh, to other potential superstars or MVP candidates, he's not competing against anybody else in his own roster. Like you look at a player like Anthony Davis or LeBron James, they're competing mm-hmm. against each other in Los Angeles, and Steph Curry. Um, you know, that's a little different. I, I think actually he's my favorite to win the MVP. I think the the focus of the Golden State offense will yeah. shift to him, even as they're trying to incorporate. D'Angelo Russell, and we'll see a lot more of the free-flowing offense that we saw from the Warriors a couple of years past before they added Kevin Durant. Obviously, Clay Thompson missing a significant amount of time uh, is going to help. I mean, he's got the story, and I think that this ESPN article, not to bash ESPN or whatever, but I think they're looking at the analytics of it. They're looking at, you know, Giannis is is young. He's only going to get better, right, if we believe that, if we look at his developmental curve. 60%, sure. I mean, how much better do the Bucks have to be for like Giannis doesn't have to do what he did last year to win MVP. He has to do something more than he did last year because we already saw what he did last year, and that's just Ooh. that's just something that that's how the MVP works. I mean, you're talking about Steph; he's got a great story. What's the Giannis story that gets him MVP? The Bucks won sixty games. Almost everything that could break right last year did break right for the Bucks. So, do you think if he has a duplicative year from last season that he wouldn't win the MVP? I mean, obviously, it's hard yeah, to it tell depends on what, what the, anybody it, else's statistics. Yeah, it depends right. on what everybody else does, but I would say that no. I would say if he has the same year that he did last year, he would not win MVP. I just think you, well, that's interesting I, I think you have to do more. I think you just have to do so much. I mean, we saw Russell Westbrook post a triple-double and win an MVP and then post a triple-double the next year and not even sniff it. Yeah, I guess some of the, the bloom had gone off the rose at that point. You know, and, and for Harden, he's going to be learning how to play alongside Russell Westbrook, so I think his MVP case takes a, a big hit. Yeah, he wasn't even in the top and, seven for, for them, and, and I think that's a miss. I think Harden actually should—I mean, he's been in it for so long. It, it, it seems crazy to me that he wouldn't be in the top five. You know, it's James Harden. The numbers he posts is ridiculous. The Steph one I like— there's a lot of 2017 Russell Westbrook vibes there. The question I have with Steph, are the Warriors going to win enough games? That's the thing. Like They've got to probably finish in the top three or four in the West for Steph to really have a chance, uh, even if he puts up crazy stats. We saw when did the Thunder were, what, the fifth or sixth seed or something when, when Westbrook won it, and I think there was a lot of backlash afterwards to that. There, was a, there might be an overcorrection to that where we're not going to see that happen for a while. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned the other players, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They're up there in the top five, but you're right. I mean, they're going to split votes probably. Um, LeBron, is he even going to play We're kind of overlooking enough? Kawhi Leonard completely, right? Is Kawhi a legitimate? He's another one. Is he going to play enough? I mean, we don't know what the load management is, yeah. schedule for him is, yeah. but we know that he's probably going to take off some games. And, and you know, he's also going to be splitting with Paul George. Um, Who's also an MVP candidate. He should be. Right, or was last year with Oklahoma yeah, yeah. City. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess when you look at it from that perspective, Giannis with potentially Steph are, are the clear two, I think. Uh, just because everybody else kind of cancels each other out or they've got their own issues to work through. And most of those candidates are also in the Western Conference, so their win totals are going to be lower. For Giannis, I think that's a, a big factor in, in, in his favor is that in the East, he can win 50-plus yeah. games fairly well, easily. The, and if he just has a similar season to last year. Now, the, the argument for me, though, is that he shouldn't have the same kind of season. I think he was so dominant on that roster, uh, and it wound up kind of like, not necessarily backfiring, but it didn't help them in the playoffs as much as it should have. 
And to me, I think he needs to be able to get some of those other players going a little bit more. And that's the the different aspect maybe that you're looking for as far as him being able to do more. Maybe he needs to be a different or better kind I mean, of playmaker. I mean, if he comes out and averages a triple-double when you get those assist numbers up, I mean, yeah, he'll win MVP. <laughs> but that's way better than what he did last year. And that last year was historically good. But all, like, like I said, like for the Bucks, you won 60 games last year. You had the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't know... You have to probably go out and at least sixty-five games. Giannis has to post better stats. I just, I would, I would, I'm not going to bet against Giannis in general, if like long term. But I just, I, I don't think that he should be considered the favorite when you consider that the story matters so much for these things. I mean, Giannis just burst onto the scene. He he basically grabbed the NBA in a year that LeBron James had a down year. He just he just grabbed the league, and he's like, this is mine now. You can't grab the league twice. I don't think, and I. You know, you look more in the Eastern Conference. Well, who else? Well, Joel Embiid is the best player on the Sixers, but I don't think that he's going to play enough games. I think that's one of the reasons you go out and get an Al Horford is you can rest Joel Embiid for 20 games and still have a pretty darn good center to fill in next to him and have a good roster and win some of those games where that was a problem for them last year. So I don't buy into the Joel Embiid thing. The one name that isn't being talked about a lot, and when we talk about story, and I think this will help him, is Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard finished sixth in MVP race last year. Probably should have finished in the top five. Um, in a in a year in an after an off season where we saw so many of these superstar tandems materialize across the league, where you, you know Kawhi is recruiting Paul George and and Kyrie Irving and Kyrie, and Kevin Durant are over here. LeBron go, goes against Anthony Davis. All these things. I think Portland, because of their continuity, could be pretty darn good next year if everything breaks right for them. I know that you got to get Nurkic back. Uh, but if they are one of the top four seeds in the Western Conference, that's going to be a really good team. And Damian Lillard is going to most certainly lead them to that. People love Damian Lillard. The media loves Damian Lillard. So they're going to be behind him from day one. And he's the guy that has continued to come out and say, I don't need another superstar. I'm not going to go out and recruit. This is my team. Everybody's coming along for the ride. They, I, I think that there is a real, there is a story bubbling there. If Damian Lillard can take one more little mini leap, one more little mini leap right here in his prime and have a knockdown season, you know, if he's maybe a 50-40-90 club type year, it's possible. It's in the cards. And I think he would absolutely be one of the front runners for MVP. I don't think he's being talked about enough. That would be where my money goes. He'd have to average closer to 30 yes. points per game. And I think he'd have to keep the Trailblazers in the top two teams in the Western two or three. Conference. Yeah. And that seems, yeah, and that seems really, really yeah. unlikely. I think that's the, the, the likeliest knock against any MVP case for Lillard is that the West is just so deep with legitimate title contenders. It would have to be by far yeah, his best season also ever. It would have to be just by far. Yeah, Nikola Jokic is another name that we're not really this, and I think you know his game being more of a, a playmaking type, or based on his ability to make plays for others, I think is is a problem, and that's why he's never really considered a, an MVP candidate. Uh, he'd have to be more of a yeah. dominant scorer, and I'm like, we saw shades of that during the playoffs. I wonder if he could incorporate that. Yeah, the last center to win it was Garnett in 2004. It's just it's not a center's award anymore. It used to be. It's just not really. It's a perimeter player's award now. It feels like and. You know, Denver does have almost 20 national TV games. They have 17 national TV games between TNT and ESPN. So he's going to be out there. And people like watching Jokic play. I just don't know that they're going to see him necessarily as an MVP type of guy. Unless like, unless like what you're saying. If he goes out and does all the things that we did last year, plus score 26 points a game or whatever it would take, maybe then. But I don't, I don't mind the Jokic thing. Denver's going to be pretty good. I think a lot of things broke right for the Nuggets last year. I wouldn't necessarily just bet on them being one of the top two seeds in the West again. Even though I like that team, I wouldn't bet on it. 
Um, so yeah, I, the the moral of the story here is that it's wide open. Just like the championship is wide open, MVP is wide open. I'm just I'm psyched for this year. I think there's a lot of really good um, uh, players in the mix here. It's going to be really interesting to see how this thing breaks. Um, all right, we're going to take an ad break here. Buy or sell is next. You're listening to Locked On NBA. Make sure to check out the revamped Locked On NFL show with expert analysis from former NFL scout Matt Williamson and host Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily podcast on all things NFL. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get podcasts. All right, David, it's time for buy or sell. We'll start in Brooklyn where the next the Nets extended Karis LeVert's contract for three years, $52.5 million. He's just 25 years old. He averaged nearly 14 points per game last season after returning from a dislocated right ankle that kept him out for 42 games. Are you buying or selling the contract extension? I'm buying it, uh, but kind of with some healthy degree of hesitation, too. I, I think the, the health issues are a concern, as are whether or not he'll be viewed long-term as being you know, justifying of that contract because obviously he's going to be more productive this season when Kevin Durant likely sits out most of it. But as this team kind of shifts focus down the road, when Durant comes back, regardless of how healthy he does come back, we imagine he'll probably get a larger load of the offense. Of, you know, he'll have to carry more of the offense. Kyrie Irving clearly has to carry more of the offense. So I wonder... If you want to pay this kind of at this point in time, it seems like a legitimate amount of money to pay a player with Karras's, you know, potential. But two years from now, three years from now, as the kind of offense shifts more to one based on Kyrie and KD, whether or not you want to pay Lavert as your third yeah. star. Um, and, and you know, he was productive last year, and, and you know, obviously he missed more, about half the season. But that was kind of a, a team that was based on, on you know, kind of scoring by committee. It, it wasn't necessarily. Uh, one that was going to be as ISO heavy or focused on, on, on you know, on. Do two you think? Would you talents. bet on him making one All Star game during the course? No. You would not bet on it. No, oh. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't know that he has that kind of All Star level potential when playing next to Durant do. and Irving, or just in general. Uh, in oh. general, and and certainly not playing alongside them. I I like it. I'm buying it because you're keeping this core intact of Karis Levert, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie. You're keeping them intact through the year 2022. I think Levert allows you, as the Nets, to play him at the three and play Durant at the four. He unlocks a lot of lineups. I think there's definitely a value add there. And uh, between that group, you have one of the better perimeter um, groups in the league. You've got a player who is versatile on both sides of the ball. And you're betting on him now. You're betting on him early. And you've got to have these players when you've you've brought in free agents like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you need a little bit of homegrown stuff there, and I think Karis LeVert is that. He's going to be that, and I think he can absolutely ball. I would bet on him making a, at least an all-star game um, within the, the span of this contract. James Harden is working on a one-legged three-pointer over the summer, and we've already seen some videos of him making that shot in pickup games. He recently told the ESPN that the goal is to use it in the season. Are you buying or selling that Harden will be able to hit that in a real NBA game, David? Oh, I mean, I'd buy that he could hit it. I just don't know how frequently he will be, uh, you know, using that weapon. Um, you know, I know he's always looking to expand his game. I guess this is the opportunity for him to do so. This is the next evolutionary step for him. It's just, I, I think there's so much backlash, and I think there's always so many problems with whatever new move Harden incorporates. And last year was already walking a very, very tight line as far as him testing the officiating to see how much he could get away with. There were some moves that clearly... 
uh, were probably or probably should have been called illegally and they were not. And so I wonder how much more he can get away with before officials just simply have. Enough. I mean, he's already started the I'm, PR campaign that this new move is legal. We've already heard sure. that. We talked about it on the show. Sure. Now we know what the move it's is brilliant. that he's brilliant. talking about is the one legged three. I, I, I'm not going to rule it out that he can make it. He, he just needs to make it at a clip enough that the other team respects it. Right. And I don't know if that's at 30% or whatever. All, How does it help? How does it help? Like, it, what is it? I think Harden I mean, became, so became way too predictable in the playoffs last year. This makes it a little bit more unpredictable. Now, I I would appreciate it if Harden, instead of trying to develop these new moves that skirt around the rules, just became a little bit more creative. And I know that sounds like the antithesis. Like, I know people think he's creative. He's creative in ways that he basically finds loopholes in the rules. I want him to be creative mm-hmm. in the moment. You know, Instead of taking step back three after step back three and just becoming easier and easier to defend in a seven-game series, do some other things. I mean, that's ultimately what separates him from a guy like LeBron. I don't know that there's another player as close to LeBron as there is James Harden just from a barrel-chested, basketball IQ, passing savant kind of way. He just doesn't tap into that enough, and I just feel like he settles too much for these step-back threes. He becomes so easy to defend. But if if the one-legged three-pointer step-back thing is in his toolbox and it's threatening enough that defenders can't defend him in the same way, I don't know. I, I don't doubt that he can't make it. I would just rather him spend more time elsewhere, like, you know, just dominating the way he could dominate as opposed to just trying to find ways to get around the rules. Finally, for five home games this season, the Trailblazers will wear uniforms that resemble the ones that they wore during the 76-77 championship run. It's a uniform that Bill Walton wore for them. Are you buying or selling this throwback, David? I, I'm buying, and I'm disappointed that it's only for five games. I think that's going to be a mistake. I, I'd love to see that uniform out there for all 41 home games, to be honest with you. I think it's fantastic looking. It's a great one. It's not just a good callback, but I think it also kind of reconnects the Blazers with their past, something that's kind of been missing. We kind of overlook them because of the 70s, because of the, the quote-unquote diluted level of talent in the NBA at that point in time. We often forget uh, Walton's tenure there were the Blazers, but I, I, I love the NBA history aspect, and, and to me, it's one that's kind of overlooked, and, and unfortunately so, because I think it was a great team with a great you know cast of characters, including Walton, and so uh, anything that you can harken back to it, I'm all for. The best throwbacks invoke memories of great teams, right? And I mean, that, that era, that 76-77 championship team is basically uh, cemented in history especially with uh, Halberstam's book, The Breaks of the Game. I mean, you just think of that book, you think of that team, you think of all the videos of Bill Walton with his nasty armpits and everything like that. You just It invokes memories of a great era for that team, and that's what the best throwbacks do. Not like those garbage OKC fake throwbacks that are just navy blue. And, oh, these are our throwbacks. Throwbacks to what? What do we remember? Those are ridiculous. These are the throwbacks we need. I 100% agree with you. It should be for more than five games. I wouldn't surprise me if it ended up being for more than five games. Portland already has great jerseys. They already have great jerseys. These are awesome. These were ahead of their time. All lowercase blazers. So cool. So cool. Really, This was the right move. I hope they wear them for even more. That's it for today. Remember, listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on NBA on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. Thanks for listening. <laughs>